Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hello, I'm Steph and this is the Don't Buy Her Flowers podcast and I'm recording this from Puglia in Italy. I should have said ciao. Uh, We are on our summer holidays. You may be able to hear the crickets. It's hot. It's uh, about seven o'clock. The kids are all watching screens after showers and a beach day. And it's very warm, but it is beautiful. And we're having a lovely time, actually. My youngest has learned to play Uno and to swim. And I have to say, it feels like a holiday, folks. Um, I know we shouldn't wish away the early days, but bloody hell. Holidays with small kids can be really tough, especially when they're tottering about and they're little and everything feels like a death trap and you're a bit hormonal and on edge and you haven't got all your stuff you need and the food you need and the nappies or you've packed it all in 20 suitcases and crammed your pathetic amount of summer holiday stuff into one tiny corner. I just wanted to perhaps offer some reassurance that it does get easier as they get bigger. Okay, I want to introduce you to my guest this week. Natalie Lee, also known as Starmy Sunday, is an influencer and an author. Her book, Feeling Myself, is one of the reasons I wanted to speak to her. She is on a mission to help women free themselves from shame about bodies, about sex, masturbation, about being less than, um, and placing so much value on what we look like. And it's really relevant as we're in the summer holidays, and I wish that it wasn't like this but I know women everywhere are feeling all weird about getting in a swimming costume or just wearing less clothes and we talk about where that comes from and growing up in the 80s um, it was also the funeral of my friend Deb um, or should I say Dame Deborah James last week and in her final BBC interview she talked about wishing she had more time when you put that alongside how we wish we look younger we want to remove our lines and signs of age but you know and change ourselves and if we knew it was going to be taken away tomorrow I think we'd live quite differently wouldn't we um the other thing that Nat says brilliantly is that we shouldn't feel guilty for feeling bad about ourselves because it's what we've been told kind of years of conditioning but we can change it and that's what she wanted to help with I also asked Nat some listener questions agony aunt style about body sex talking to kids about masturbation among other things some of the crickets I think those are crickets they're having a real fun time now anyway <laughs> this episode is sponsored by the natural deodorant company a 100% natural deodorant that offers 24 hours of protection from a single application they have kindly given us a discount for DBHF podcast listeners details are later on in this episode and the natural deodorant company is available in DBHF boxes so it's a genuine recommendation from us right over to my conversation with Nat. I feel like I know you a lot better than I did, Nat, now that I've read the book. I it's, bet you do. Yeah, intimately. I, good. There's, well, I've got loads of stuff I want to cover, but how's it going? How are you <laughs> feeling about it? Now it's out, how are you feeling? I feel really comfortable. I feel really grounded. Like, I know all this shit. This shit happened to me, so... I've got no like fear of imposter syndrome or tripping up yeah. or do you know what I mean? It's just, this is my shit and I'm very yeah. passionate about it. So I feel great. It's mm. when you start doing stuff that's out of your comfort zone that, and yes. then you're questioning yourself and then someone might critique you. It's like, well, if you know that this is what you know, yeah, then I it's mean, a safe place. I mean, that's not to say it's not out of my comfort zone. This is very much out of my comfort zone because I speak about some deep shit. Mm. 
Well, <sighs> I wanted to start with the body stuff because I think with your Instagram profile, that's one of the kind of biggest areas where people will recognise you. And I have got some questions that people have sent. So we're going to do some agony aunt stuff, okay? Ooh. Um, as we go. <laughs> oh, I <laughs> like the sound through. of that. <laughs> I know, I knew you would. But it was really interesting what people asked for. There was a lot about masturbation, but we'll come on to that. I'm going to, I need to warm up before I <laughs> That's because, yeah. Steph, you're embarrassed and you are projecting right now. So you're going to have to get comfortable with this chat. I'm, go- because... I'm going, I'm trying really hard. <laughs> holidays right and I know that there will be loads of women and you can see it in all the posts people are posting and I know I feel it myself where you've got holidays coming up and then you're either there's people like crash dieting which I don't do anymore like trying to shrink quickly because you've got this thing coming up and you're anxious about it or worse berating yourself because you haven't got to there with your body that last year when you're on holiday you're like I'm gonna make sure that when I'm next year, I feel better about my body because I'm going to be smaller, I'm going to be more toned or all that stuff. And you've obviously undergone like a massive change in the last five years of how you feel about your body, which you've talked about loads. So I just wanted to start with how did you used to feel? I think it's really useful because otherwise people might go, oh, she's just, she's so confident. She was born that way. Mm. And it's like, no, it's clearly reading your book. That's not the case at all. No, not at all. I mean, I grew up in the 80s and diet pills were regularly given out to women when they came in moaning that they'd put on a couple of pounds and they were all amphetamine based and just sent everyone loopy. But I think my mum was on those for the majority of my childhood. So look, I grew up in an era where it was seen as disgusting and dirty to be fat and in any way outside the kind of beauty standard of slim and tall and white generally Mm. um and my mum was very very obsessed about how she looked and she weighed herself all the time she dressed really nice she was very glamorous mother so I was kind of hyper aware that she relied on her looks quite a lot and I guess that just kind of infiltrated down to me I think it's very difficult not to absorb those messages when you're Mm. in that environment and obviously you know we all know the messages we get from society continually telling us that we need to be better we're not good enough we need to be prettier we need to you know we're just never going to sort of live up to that standard. It's a never ending cycle, just makes us feel like shit all the time. But I think the worst time for me was after I had my children. I looked in the mirror after I had children and I literally thought that no one is ever going to fuck me again. That made up the majority of my self-worth and my esteem. How attractive I was to the opposite sex. And I was devastated. I was fucking on the floor by Mm. how my body looked, the the stretch marks, the saggy skin, the tits that were leaking, you know, hitting people in the eye when I walked past. (laughs) Your whole body just feels so alien because even if you put on weight or lost weight it's the shape completely changes for that for that period like yeah so you're just like well what what is this everything changes how you feel in your body your whole identity changes your fucking brain changes Mm -hmm. and it took me a long time to get my head around that and kind of come to a place of acceptance which thank god I have now But for a long time, I remember like after I had my baby, I had like a personal trainer and I was like, I just want to have that 19 year old body again. Right. (laughs) That was that was the goal. And, you know, we have to come to a place that we are never going to have that body again. We're never going to be the 19 year old Natalie, the 19 year old Steph. And we didn't even appreciate it when we did have it. (laughs) No, we didn't. On holiday, we were on a boat trip and there were these girls there who must have been like early 20s. And they all had completely different shaped bodies, different sizes. Some were slimmer, some were bigger. And I was just sort of staring at them, just thinking, oh, my God, your bodies are amazing. And they weren't 
they didn't look that conscious of it. They looked really comfortable. They had kind of up the bum bikinis like they do. And I just thought, you don't know. I almost wanted to grab them and say, you don't know how gorgeous you are. And you're not going to know. And then you're going to at some point be like, oh, I hate my body. And oh, it just it's just such a mess. But I've got a, a listener question for you. Oh, tell me. So she said, I look back on my body in my 20s and wish I could have it back, but I didn't love it then. I know in my 50s, I look back at my body now and wish I still had it and wish that I loved it when I did. How do we do that and love us now? Quite a big one. Quite a big question. Well, I mean, the answer's in in the question. Like, what's the point in hating where you're at now? You might as well just accept it. And if you can even grow to love it. I think one of the things that I learned to kind of do was to have a mourning process like literally mourn the old me the old body the one that I will never get back again and just come into a kind of acceptance of where I am now because oh my god I don't want to be 50 and be sad about Mm. not living like I used to literally you know, one of the things I think I said this in the book, I think one of the things I, I said was I am never going to wear a bikini ever again in my life because I don't want to subject people to the disgusting sight of my body. Oh now, my how awful is that mm. to think mm. that? And I was stopping myself from being free, from enjoying the moment, from being able to go into the swimming pool with my kids for just you know, having my picture taken and not feeling like a hippopotamus. It's just, I'm not going to allow myself to not enjoy those experiences anymore. And you have to draw a line in the sand and just say, I can't do that anymore. I've just got to accept it. It doesn't even like now I don't, I couldn't give a fuck if, if somebody (laughs) wants to fuck me or not. Like, so now I'm like, what does it matter? on it doesn't matter but it does but it doesn't matter does it it doesn't matter like you know I'm just thinking of we've seen like on Instagram like you had Deborah James just died and if you had a conversation with her in the last couple of years about like body the fact that someone doesn't want to wear a bikini how utterly ridiculous and the thing is we know that but I suppose what I found really helpful in your book is all that all the stuff you talked about from your childhood seeing your mum like we've just talked about I'm going to mention the cabbage soup diet because oh honestly, don't give me nightmares Steph <laughs> the smell of it the taste of it. Oh! All, the, all the you know I can remember people going on that um along with slim fast which was everywhere and was perfectly acceptable for adults to talk about that in front of children which I think I'm hoping that we at least have recognized that that's not okay but there's so much going on from our from when we're younger that we've it's okay that we sort of feel this stuff because I think part of it is that you're beating yourself up for feeling it, but draw the line and go, okay, but I'm choosing not to follow that anymore. Yeah. We've got to act, I mean, you probably have to continue and actively choose it, right? Look, it's, it's a never ending battle and I'm not saying mm. I'm like completely healed and I don't ever think bad or negative things about my body. I do. And what you said there is really important, you know, part of the kind of body positive movement has been great at, you know, helping us not just have negative connotations around fatness and and people who are fat or who we deem overweight. But it also has instilled a bit of a fear in us to admit that we are having struggles with our body image and Mm -hmm. to like say, actually, I'm not there yet. I'm not like those people you see on Instagram who are embracing it all. And so it's that never ending cycle of perpetuating the shame around feeling bad about your body. Look, you you live in this society that tells you being fat is lazy, is disgusting, is unattractive. No one will love you. It's Mm -hmm. okay to feel like that. It is really fucking weird if you don't feel like that living Mm. in the society we live in. So first of all, stop beating yourself up for for feeling down about yourself. And if you can draw a line in the sand and kind of come to some place of acceptance, that is wonderful. But it will be a never-ending battle. It really will. And 
no one has got it perfect, but there are things you can do like, you know, just connecting with your body again, like looking at yourself in the mirror, taking pictures of yourself. I mean, I really hate having my photo taken, as you know, Steph. (laughs) I mean, (laughs) start to see your body through your eyes rather than through the messages that Mm -hmm. we're being sent from society is very important because Mm -hmm. a lot of us have body dysmorphia and don't actually see ourselves how other people see us so really try and work on silence in those negative thoughts like what I did I uh, Uh, a long time ago now actually I made a pact to never talk about myself in a derogatory way out loud ever again and especially not in front of my children because they will grow up feeling like that too even if you don't think they're listening they will hear you well and even if you don't believe it still not do not saying it in front of your kid like even because you don't want them to feel how you feel right exactly we we, I don't I that's the biggest thing for me is I don't want my kids to waste all the energy that I know I've wasted Mm. beating myself up for something that and and like you just said no one else sees you this I don't look at other people's bodies and go oh no dear look at her whatever but we think we behave as if everyone else is doing that to us Absolutely. And, you know, you don't owe anyone a flat stomach. Like also flat (laughs) stomachs are not generally the reality of the vast majority of the population. So we need to kind of really silence those unhelpful, unrealistic standards that we hold ourselves up to that we don't hold anyone else up to. But Mm. but it's, it's not easy. No. But in, and I think sometimes there's a the kind of trend around it is to to show your body and be really comfortable and you've got people showing you know whatever they're showing of their body whether that's roles or selling going you know I'm so comfortable with my body but actually it's quite helpful to think that they're not necessarily always like you've said in the book I think you say that you're still breathing in those misogynistic toxins like your your body confidence fluctuates and I think that's sometimes quite helpful to know because otherwise you do look at all these people who who look extremely confident and think well I can't get to that so what's the point almost yeah exactly I and and I'm quite I feel like I'm quite honest about it whereas I am Mm. pretty comfortable with my body I will still admit that I, I really do have like really down days too sometimes or moments Mm. I'm Mm. able to pull myself out of them a lot quicker now but it happens Mm. to all of us I think you'd be weird if you didn't yeah based on how much how much noise there is telling us that it's all wrong and we shouldn't do that and about motherhood you've said about looking in your body and at your body and I think that is something that again anyone who's been through having kids will will recognize that but also around motherhood you wrote about that women are supposed to keep everyone happy and deny any focus on ourselves and I just think there's so much in that the responsibility of that idea and how that falls so this idea of us I think you say also um, angelic mothers selfless good women in service and it feeds into the guilt that so many women feel it does yeah it is one of the most toxic things we do to women how many times have you heard like an obituary and they say she was just the most selfless wonderful person and I think poor fucking woman she's dead now and she can't even she can't even fucking do anything for herself anymore and she's just spent her whole life in service to you like who is benefiting from that because also what I know is that when I am selfless and put everyone's needs above my own, mm-hmm. I burn myself out. I'm a horrible person. I will snip and give passive aggressive comments because I feel resentful that people mm-hmm. are overstepping my non-existent boundaries. And that is not a good place for me to be because yeah, I, I'm just not a nice person to be around. And even if you're able to overcome the kind of passive aggressive comments and you don't act out like me, 
Like people want you to be happy. If you love somebody, you don't just want them to be your personal servant and your maid. You want them to live a fulfilling life. So the notion that women are supposed to just look after everyone around them, it fucking boils my piss, basically. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. <laughs> well, and, it, uh, and it just perpetuates it that then, so if we're supposed to do that, then the, the men aren't supposed to do that. And then we're just in this cycle of doing more and more. But I think the difference is now for lots of women, we're pissed off about it. So we don't accept it as our lot because we know that there's other stuff out there, but we still don't quite know how to do it. And I think there's there's a big piece there for men to understand this better. I think there is, but they they also need help, right? Mm. Listen, mm. I'm I'm not. You know that I um, talk about misogyny and the patriarchy, but. Do you know what? Men aren't mind readers. No one no. is a mind reader. One of the things that I had to do after I left my marriage was to get in touch with what my needs were. I had no idea what I wanted. I had no idea what my boundaries were. I couldn't make a decision because I didn't I didn't know what I liked or what I wanted. Because you spent so long trying to fulfil a role. Yes. And yes. suited everyone else. Yeah. Exactly. So one of the processes I had to get over was to stop people pleasing all the time. Stop saying yes. To actually understand that no, actually no is okay sometimes. And you don't have to give an explanation. But actually people want to know whether this oversteps your boundaries and if you have a problem with it. People find it really helpful to have that sort of information. So let's stop demonising our partners, for example, mm -hmm. for not picking up the socks or for not emptying the dishwasher. You know, we well, like to we moan. You need to do this. For, yeah. for this to work, you're going to have... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Mate, like, you know, set up a contract, write it down. This is your job, whatever. I don't know what, what how you do it. I'm divorced now and I don't have to worry about that shit, thank God. But <laughs> <laughs> I get full control of the remote. Um, but, you know... No, I but just, I think it's a good It's, a it's good communication. Point. Because I think a lot of the time we put it on to them... Of that they're not doing this right, they're not doing this right. It's like, but but we're also fulfilling a role that is very traditional in lots of ways. So they're completely confused as to what we're expecting. Exactly. So it's an it's a whole education piece, I guess. We did, yes. actually we had um, Matt Frey on the podcast who wrote the book This Is How Your Marriage Ends, and he and he talks about it very much from the things that men do wrong, but mm. he explains it in a way that is it's not their fault. Yeah. But we need to be aware of it. And then you can start to kind of heal and communicate and all that stuff. And it's it's really interesting because there's no point just going, I'm in a shit. And it doesn't get us anywhere, does it? No, it really doesn't. The other thing that is in the book, there's a whole chunky chapter on sex. And but again, <laughs> you look at the childhood stuff. I was reading it and I was like, oh, yeah, just stuff like the end of sex is when a man comes, for example. Yes. Um, penetrative sex is sex that's what we've been taught like that's what we're taught and there's all these things you have a whole list of things that you basically pull apart and go well these aren't even right but that's what we've been told so that's why we behave in certain ways exactly so one of the things that I had to dismantle was all of the kind of social constructs that I've been brought up with as a child and my sex education how how you know I had to I had to break it all down and start again. And base and, and the assumptions that we make, you know, when a child comes out, we assume that they're going to be heterosexual. We assume that they're going to want to get married and have children. Until Let's... they tell us that they're gay, until, yes. they're, until they make it really obvious that's or, or anything else. Yeah, exactly. Let's stop assuming. Let's mm. stop making basic bloody assumptions and projecting our notions onto this innocent child who might not want to be in a heterosexual relationship when they're older, you know, and, and monogamy and let's break that down. Let's talk about virginity, which is a whole 
social construct that has been in place to, well, it's kind of fetishized virginity and being young, hasn't it? Because there's Mm -hmm. this whole thing about like deflowering. And I felt like as a, as a girl, sex was done to you. It Mm -hmm. wasn't something that was a, a joint collaboration and connection time. The word vagina actually comes from the the name of a sheath for a sword. So, you know, we are basically made or designed, this is what they thought, you yeah, know, yeah. to to cover the sword. And it's Come like on. dismantling all of that, dismantling what sex is, like the the term foreplay. Well, there's nothing, now I know, having had sex with women, there's no foreplay, that is sex. sex. That is part of sex. Like, all of the things we deem as foreplay is actually the bit that most women enjoy much more than Mm -hmm. the penetrative sex. So rewiring our brain, challenging our views, questioning everything is the journey, the process that I've been on for quite a while. And Mm. it's eye-opening, it's intriguing, it's bloody brilliant. (laughs) But it's also scary too, because like all of that shit you've you've like ingested from society Mm. is actually like, oh man, I could have been having so much more fun all this time. I didn't Mm. have to be like screaming my head off and pretending I was having an orgasm when in fact I was like thinking about what I'm going to eat that tonight at dinner, you know, there's, <laughs> there was no connection. Well, also that, that like need that it, the thing we need to do is to be in a relationship. Like it's, and I, like I was with someone all through uni um, and you kind of go, what a waste. Cause yeah, I guess I must've had in my head, like it's to be in a relationship. Like that's the, the purpose of me to get to that. And the other thing that you talk about, with sex about women's role is performative and how we have this real awareness of our bodies when having sex and what it looks like to someone else again Mm. and again and porn and all that stuff and you go oh my god like no wonder we're all struggling now we did an episode with Dr Karen Gurney the most downloaded episode by a mile I love her and she's brilliant loads of messages from women just going oh my god I didn't realize that this was normal to not necessarily want sex but also no you don't because when you do it's got to be penetrative sex and it's got to be a certain way if you're heterosexual and all that stuff so yeah there's so much in that to unpack but the performative bodies bit I was talking to a friend and we were talking about in the 90s you know like the ladette culture Mm. and it was like women were taking control but it actually we weren't we were just having to behave like men and it was for them yeah it was very performative and it was a double-edged sword and actually what we were saying was being a woman being feminine is Mm -hmm. negative so we're Mm going to try and act like guys to be accepted and to be valued so it's actually who are you doing it for in the end yeah even when like I talk a little bit about like when women kiss other women in front of men it's like Mm. you're just doing that because you know that that's what men find sexy. Like, mm-hmm. let's stop performing. Let's actually connect our mind to our body. Let's be present in the moment and live and do things because it's intrinsically what we want to do. But, mm-hmm. oh, my God, how hard is it to get out of that performative mindset and not think about the gaze of other people? Mm. there's a lot in the book about that and it is as you're reading you kind of go oh yeah but I feel like I'll need to be consistently reminded of that before you stop thinking it like that because that's what we've grown up like it's so deep in us it is but do you not find Steph that like getting older has really helped you be less performative because I know that I feel a lot more invisible to the opposite sex now when I walk down the street. Like I did a post today about the most male attention I ever got in my whole life was when I was wearing a uniform. I used yes. to get beat about 10 times. A school, on, a school uniform specifically. School uniform, sorry. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I used to get beat about 10 times minimum going to school. 
every single day and I was a kid it's so gross it's like the whole Charlotte Church thing and Britney and like oh that. god it's kind yeah. of, that's the virginity thing again doesn't it and it does which is fucking weird because you're also having conversations about paedophiles and we are much more aware now that that's not okay than you know no. where it might have been so the two exist together which is you know on the flip side I have found a sense of freedom mm. in getting older, getting older. in not I, being nece- necessarily attractive to the opposite sex I, I feel liberated by ago, that I was talking to a friend and I was like I don't think anyone's come on to me in a good couple of years I mean I know we haven't been out a lot but it's done you know like I, I might have used to get a look or two or a glance or a oh all right and I don't think anyone has in eight in years and, and that bit of me is sad about that but then reading your book I'm like I shouldn't be sad about that because I'm better than that but I suppose it's in me to that gives you a boost right it makes you feel something I definitely went for a process I remember like the frequency of beeps going down as I walked <laughs> down the street I remember it distinctly yeah, I was not happy about that. I was no. not happy about it at all. I'm like, where the fuck are the uh, builders hanging out the window, like <laughs> shouting at me, telling me to smile? Uh, now I can enjoy it. But at first I didn't like it at all. I didn't. Mm. But Steph, I don't want you to ever say I shouldn't feel something hopefully my book is opening your eyes to some things that you haven't necessarily questioned Mm -hmm. but I don't want you to ever feel like I should do something or I shouldn't feel something don't ever feel like that because Mm. that's when we perpetuate the shame and it's actually okay to feel like oh my god people don't find me attractive because I'm older now because that's not what we value in society mm-hmm. it's okay to to miss that and mourn that because that was so much of our identity was mm-hmm. built in in how attractive we were so and also that like, I was at, like school age I was quite chubby and it and no, no one was give I wasn't getting that kind of feedback so but then in when I then lost weight and was suddenly getting that attention it was even more valuable to me probably because it was mm. like oh this is what that feels like whereas lots of my mates yeah had had it at school and had it you know their whole lives yeah so yeah might need yeah, some therapy so I, I... On specifically on that. <laughs> a very quick break to let you know that this episode is sponsored by the natural deodorant company we tried out loads of natural deodorants to find the right one to include in don't buy her flowers packages and this was it It's a 100% natural deodorant that offers 24 hours of protection from a single application. It helps dehydrated underarm skin to look soft and smooth. And one jar lasts 8 to 10 weeks. And they're plastic-free with a refill program. And especially for listeners of this podcast, you can get 15% off using the code FLOWER15 at naturaldeoco.com. That's FLOWER15. Thank you very much to the Natural Deodorant Company. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code buttery exclusions apply see site for details ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row dreaming of something better well hello fresh is your guilt-free dream come true baby it's me geeky palmer let's wake up those taste buds with hot juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi Mm. hello fresh stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com Let's get this dinner party started. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bombas socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. 
Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box. And if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which is absolutely insane. It's also so easy to get salon-worthy nails at home with Olive and June. The difference between how your nails used to look when you did them yourself and now with the Manny system is a complete game changer. The best thing about Olive and June, too, is it's a quick dry. Dries in about one minute, lasts for five days, and full coverage in up to one to two coats. Visit oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. That's oliveandjune.com slash perfectmanny20 for 20% off your first system. The shame thing is really interesting as well because you talk about it in relation to sex, but you also talk about it with masturbation. And I have a question for you from Barbara. When and how to start talking to your kids about masturbation? She says her mum never mentioned it and she wants to educate herself on how to do it properly or at least better than she had it. And she feels completely lost on how to even start approaching it. I personally think that if a child is old enough to ask a question, I think they are old enough to get an honest answer. So what I remember having a really quite, it ended up being quite a graphic conversation. And at, and at the time I was mortified, but it was all around sex. And then it kind of just escalated. But I remember humping teddies when I was... <laughs> yeah, this is in the book, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I remember humping teddies when I... I'd, like, I could have... I could have been doing it from a very young age, three or four. Definitely remember doing it at like six or seven. And I used to do it with friends as well. So it is in our nature to be sexual, to enjoy the pleasure that comes with our clitoris and our vulva and that area. I don't think it's ever too early to start talking about that. Like masturbation is free. It's not traumatizing unless you shame them. It's enjoyable. Like as long as you explain to your children to not do it when grandma's over for tea. I mean, we've got the summer holidays coming. So actually this is a great way to keep them entertained. And as you say, it's free. Yeah. I mean, just talk to them about doing it in private. Yeah, I was going to say, how do you say, like, because I'm just thinking of, and I'm definitely not mentioning any names, but I knew somebody whose daughter just was at it all the time. Like, they'd step over her at home. She'd just be on the floor humping something. And that once they were at church and she was on a pew and they kind of looked around and went, oh, fuck, she's (laughs) she's masturbating on a pew. So how do you have the conversation with them? What do you say that's like, this is totally fine? but you have to do it in private because the two almost feel contradictory, but obviously, yeah, you don't want to be doing it on a pew in church. Well, no, I don't think they're contradictory. If you don't make the conversation awkward, if you Mm. also like, let's call anatomy what it is. Let's call it vulvas. Let's call them vaginas. Let's not Mm. put a shameful connotation to it by not being able to name them. Mm-hmm. And speak very openly and just say, listen, this is absolutely fine. It's actually mm-hmm. wonderful that mm-hmm. you are finding so much pleasure in that area. But let's, you can do it in private. This is something for you to enjoy on your own. Mm-hmm. And lots of people do it. But continually talk about it. Talk about it like it is like making a cup of tea is my mm-hmm. advice. I mean, my girls are bloody bored of t- talking about it. They're like, oh, mummy, shut up talking about masturbation. No, one's not a teenager yet, but one is a teenager. Yeah, one is a teenager, one is not yet, but nine right. and 13. I never explored my own body, really. Mm-hmm. But apart from my teddies, I never explored <laughs> my own body until like somebody explored my body before I explored my own body. And I think that's a fucking shame. Yeah. I didn't know what I liked. I didn't know how to communicate what I wanted because I didn't know what it was. So I think it's to be encouraged, just, yeah, just keep talking and 
really, really like overcome that kind of British politeness. And, and the more you like, do it, the more we'll get over it, right? Because, and, and again, Karen talked about this and I'd had a conversation about porn with my, one of my kids. And once I'd done it once, it was fine. And also to the yeah. point that he, he would go like, oh, mum, are you going to start talking to me about sex again? And then yeah. I was over the embarrassment but I suppose the best way to think of it, if you are embarrassed, is to think that imagine if they become adults and they don't have the shame that we have associated with all this stuff. And that's what you're giving them, right? So although it might be a bit awkward and it might be a bit embarrassing and you might not have done it before, the more you do it, the easier it's going to become, right? Yeah. And listen, that you're going to get loads of conversation starters, like when you're watching telly, like if you mm. watch Kissing or, you you know, you watch anything that... It, you know a boy has got a hard on or something these are conversation starters don't shy away from them mm. actually use them to stimulate you know ask them questions and listen because I guarantee you if you're not speaking to your kids about it then somebody else is and you want them to be informed you want them to know the proper stuff you want them to know things like consent and you know the thing about knowing the proper names for body parts is really important because I don't know what the, the exact stat is but I know that a large majority of child abuse cases are thrown out of court because the children can't properly name their What's body parts right right so it's actually a safeguarding issue it's not just about oh my god you know Natalie you're so bloody body liberated and sex positive it's not about that it's actually really important work and I'm so passionate about kids being able to have autonomy over their bodies but knowing when to say I don't like that knowing when to say no don't do that and also being able to communicate with their parents without embarrassment and awkwardness is one of the most vital things you can do for your children. Mm-hmm. Another question I had. So she says, my husband feels really put out if I suggest using a vibrator during sex, like it's a threat to him and his manhood. But I don't very often orgasm with just his penis. Any suggestions on how to handle this? Again, a cracking question for you now. It is a brilliant question. (laughs) I'm like, send him my way, not physically. No, not not physically, but maybe show him one of my posts. Mm. Have I talked about this on a post? Actually, maybe I haven't, but the majority of women don't climax during penetration. It's fact. It's not like we're just making it up because we'd rather involve a sex toy. Exactly. Actually, even better, buy my book and give it to him. And then he will know that it's not shameful. It's not bad. He's not underperforming. We're worried about denting the male ego. And actually, he just doesn't understand how it works for us. So we need to communicate that, don't we? He doesn't even know why you want to use a vibrator. He actually thinks it's because he's not doing a good job and it's not. Mm. It's because that is necessary in my, in my opinion, that's a necessary part of sex when I have sex with a man. I think we just need to talk about that. Well, and I think in the book you have an, I think it's Charlotte, someone. um, Oh, Charlotte Weber. I think there's a couple of people you quite actually, there's like, don't have this conversation during sex do it yes. when you can have a proper conversation, have a bottle of wine and say and and talk about what you like, what you don't like, a, a memory of a great time that you had amazing sex, all that stuff. So it's a conversation and not just going, this isn't working for me whilst you're doing it. Exactly. Yeah. And you know how it is when you're actually about to have sex with somebody. It's such a heightened time of emotions that if you were to bring up something like that at the time, you know, they're going to get triggered. They're going to feel really yeah. awful. Yeah. So, yeah. Because they're giving their take... best moves. They're thinking, oh, I've got this. <laughs> She's loving this. And then, like, can we just pause for a minute? So, yeah. This, yeah. There's, and, I, and I get that it's not about worrying about his ego, but he needs to understand why. Yes, he does. And I wasn't taught where my clitoris was. I didn't know what a clitoris was. I didn't know where it was You've when I was a long younger. Way now. 
I know I have. I mean, yeah, I mean, the whole fucking world knows where my clitoris is now. But um, it's he probably wasn't told that yeah. it's really important to stimulate your clitoris. So, well, no, because it wasn't because all it was about was a man coming at the exactly. end. That was sex. We have to take ownership of our pleasure. Mm-hmm. And that involves communication. We can't just put it all on somebody else. We can't go, oh my God, they're so shit in bed. Of course they're going to be shit in bed if you haven't communicated what you mm. want in bed. And all, so, and they yeah. might be doing it based on someone who has who they've had sex with before who never told them what worked or didn't work. And porn. So yeah, they're not getting I the mean, best education there, are they? The education is woefully woefully inadequate and Mm. that is one of my real passions at the moment I am on this mission to give well to re-educate adults on sex because I feel like we're in this time where we are questioning you know gender we're questioning sexuality everything seems to be opening up and moving on but we are still dealing with the old scripts that we've been given as yeah. kids. And where is the re-education process happening? It can feel like that world is not part of our world because we haven't been educated in really inclusive, informative sex education that is pleasure focused and Women weren't taught to expect pleasure from sex. We were taught that it was about serving a man. So we need to fucking get re-educated. And that is something I am on a mission to do. So there's one quote in the book that I want to read because I just thought it was so accurate. This is on relationships. Like you've mentioned that you're now divorced. But I guess you've learned a shitload, right? But you wrote... Mm -hmm. um, It doesn't matter how in love you are, the flame is always going to dim somewhat. You really have to be intentional and conscious about adding logs to the fire and keeping it going, even when it feels fucking hard. And I just thought, that's what you need in your marriage preparation classes now. That's what you actually need to to know, that you're going to have to consciously, intentionally work at it. Yeah. That's what we weren't taught about in sex education. We weren't taught about relationships and how they work and how do we stay active and happy and you know interested interested you're not gonna want to eat the same meal every single night for the rest of your life are you so why wouldn't you want to work at if you want to stay together how are you going to make that palatable how are you going to make that interesting how are we going to like switch it up a little bit and actually both have some fun because I remember you know having been in a long-term relationship for 24 years, sex felt like something I had to do. Mm. It felt like a chore. It was another thing on the list. And I felt like if I didn't, there was a risk that he would stray. He would want to have sex with other people or that I wasn't good enough. You know, it again, it perpetuates the shame and the like self-esteem it really affects your self-esteem if you don't want to have sex because well it's boring and it feels like a chore but you don't know what to do about that where's the conversation around that mm. and I suppose again it comes back to sort of protecting egos and not knowing how to have that conversation but it might be the thing that so it saves your relationship now, that was what a lot of the messages from, from Dr Karen Gurney were like oh my god either shit we split up because I couldn't we couldn't get the sex thing going and we thought it was over or this might this has saved our marriage because now we have been able to have a conversation off the back of you know having someone else talk about it but talk about exactly what they felt they were going through it's like that the the stuff that you're doing the stuff that Karen's doing like I know there's a whole crew of people on Instagram but it is really important because it's so ultimately important. we've got no idea what we're doing <laughs> we really don't no, we, we are don't fishing know. around in the dark <laughs> <laughs> I do think you know relationships they're not easy one of the biggest failings I think we do is we always blame the other person mm. and in fact we have so much power and so much like responsibility I guess if you just reflect on what you can do 
to make your relationship better. Mm-hmm. It has such a transformational effect than if you're constantly blaming the other person for not doing enough. And so, then if both of you start doing that, like we, we've gone through quite a few lot in the last few months of just really trying to unpick certain behaviours and not having the same rails over and again. Doug read the book that Matt Frey wrote about marriage ending and stuff, and he's really taken it on. And that's a massive turn on in itself. It's like, oh, he gives a shit. It does. It makes you feel good. And in turn, hopefully, you're going to do the same too. Back. So and it, then you're, yeah. in the, you're instead of that tit for tat, who's yeah who's having a shitted time and who's fucking up more and that they're just, that's no fun no fun <laughs> um, but and you write as well about sexuality and that about the spectrum of sexuality so you talk about your own experience of feeling now that you are pan slash bisexual I think you use both terms like bisexual is the umbrella term for lots of different like sexualities and pan just comes under the bisexual umbrella. So I would use both interchangeably, really. For me, growing up, I was given one path. Mm-hmm, I was given mm-hmm. a path that said, chase after boys, basically beat them down until they propose to you, <laughs> then nag them every single day to impregnate you and get a mortgage, then get like a big fluffy dog. And you're going to be happy for the rest of your life. That was my narrative. That was my journey. And I then did all that and was like, what the fuck now? No, I was looking around and I was like, but I am so unhappy. I'm so discontent. What do I do now? I'm I'm supposed to have it all. And I didn't. I was just not given any other options. And now I'm sort of unpacking all the shit that I thought I was supposed to want and just going, actually, it's a fucking very beautiful, vibrant buffet there that I get to dip in and out of. (laughs) Buffet is a good word. I mean, Um, yeah. But I had a listener question on this, which I thought was really interesting. So she's a married mum of two. They've been together for 15 years and she become she's become obsessed with a woman in her 40s, having never been attracted to women. And she asked about why, because she says she's seeing it from lots of women around her, like an awakening and a more fluid outlook. And she asked how to be open about what you want with yourself and your partner, because I think she ended up having a conversation with her partner and something about killing kittens was discussed. And... She- <laughs> And he and he was quite up for it, and she was a bit like, "Oh, uh, and that." So it just was really interesting because I know I've got a friend who has has got is married, got two children, and came out a couple of years ago, and they're not together anymore. And it's been one of the toughest things I think I've ever seen someone go through. Do you know the amount of messages I've got since I've started talking about being bisexual and obviously Mm. writing this book, the amount Mm. of messages I've got from women saying, oh my God, I felt this really strong connection with my friend and I don't know what to do or I'd love to watch some porn. I'd love to watch lesbian porn specifically, Mm. but I feel bad about doing that. I'm in a a long-term relationship. My advice would be, it's an itch that should probably be scratched I think like there's nothing wrong with having fantasies there's nothing wrong with looking at porn there's also nothing wrong with talking to your partner if that's the route you want to go down and explaining like I think I might not be heterosexual because I am thinking about certain person or or other people a lot and it's confusing me and I don't have all the answers I don't know where this is going or what I'm doing but I want to bring you in on this conversation because I'm just feeling really bad about it I'm feeling a lot of guilt around it and actually the only thing that that will do is is you know put you into doing it underground a lot of women are sort of, I would say, re-evaluating their sexuality and what they have always kind of thought about themselves. And there's there's nothing wrong with that. You're not alone. And sometimes that might end in the ending of your relationship. Hmm. But again, like, let's take out the negativity of relationships ending. 
we're not meant to be, in my opinion, with the same person for our whole life. It's like relationships can end and it doesn't have to be seen as a failure. Like it's okay to decide that you want something else now. It's a real difficult kind of thing to be in conversation with yourself around that. We are taught that to be successful, we need to be married to the same person for the rest of our lives in monogamous relationships and all of that. And actually, is it working for us? I don't necessarily think it is. is The divorce rate is nearly half, so it's not working. after lockdown I'd be surprised if it doesn't go over 50% I mean like so many people are getting divorced these days but again there is nothing wrong with ending a relationship if that's what you want you don't have to be stuck and in this same situation for the rest of your life not getting your needs fulfilled if it's not making you happy it's so complicated, isn't it? Because I suppose previous generations did stick. I mean, I don't know whether they were happy or not. Probably not. But that was just the expectation of them. So they're seen as success stories, right? Like we're we're all getting mm. it wrong because we're all getting divorced quicker or more of us are getting divorced. But you can't compare the two because a woman's expectation of anything was very, very different 50 years ago to what we can achieve and and know that we can exactly and we're also living a lot longer now so <laughs> ellie from the scummy mummies always says about how her mum always says we were going to die by the time we were 40 so we would have been married our whole lives if we exactly <laughs> and the final question i've got that we always ask all the guests so this podcast about the mad sort of rush hour in and all the stuff that's going on and kids and family and all of that but do you feel overwhelmed and what happens if you do? God, I, I know that feeling so well. I used to get overwhelmed all the time. And I think also having ADHD, this just stimulation, everything. I just doing things in the right order and stuff would often overwhelm me. But yeah, I I do get overwhelmed. But I have managed to work through it so much better with the kind of daily practices that I do, like my meditation, like my journaling, which is just a bloody brain dump. And it's, it really helps me to process things. But taking that time to sit and not just be running around like a headless chicken without stopping has had the most monumental effect on my mental health and my feelings of overwhelm because I used to get it all the time. That's awesome. Thank you, Matt. Thank you so much to Nat. It was one of those conversations that played over and over in my head afterwards and I think to change the way you feel about your body and all these things that have become our normal thought patterns and all the shame takes a lot of work and some time. But hats off to Nat and all the people having this conversation or starting this conversation as it would just be so lovely if, I guess, one, we could change it for the people coming after us and our kids, but also just if we didn't have to spend or if we didn't spend all this time and energy beating ourselves up about stuff and just enjoy life a bit more. I think that's what ultimately what Nat's after. Um, right, hang on, that's Doug's coming. I think it's time to put the meat on. Um, so I'm going to get the kids off their screens and then, yeah, maybe have a gin. Um, I hope if you listen to this in the summer holidays, it's going okay. You're not beating yourself up too much for not making it magical every day. Some days are just survival. Some days are just watching TV. We've five weeks to fill when we get back from here and I'm pretty sure we've used up all of our fun already. We've beat way too soon. Um, but yeah, lots of love and luck for everyone. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowlin Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowlin Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlinBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.